Welcome back to another Real Talk with Chuck and Pam. And we have quite the eclectic mix of movies this week. But before we talk about this week's releases, you recently saw a movie that I did not. And I have mixed emotions about the filmmaker Ari Aster. And that movie is Bo is Afraid. Boy, oh boy, has this gotten mixed reviews. Chuck, you are my horror go-to person. Please take that as a compliment, not a slam. <laughs> and I'd like to know, I haven't seen it, but I'd like to know what your thoughts are. And then I want to talk about what I've heard about it on other podcasts. Well, you know, I don't want to spend too much time on this because there's a movie we're going to talk about today that I think you and I are going to drastically disagree on. And I want to spend some time on that. Okay. But Bo is Afraid, it's not really necessarily a horror film you know, in traditional sense. Okay. Uh, it's more of a mental thing. And I'm glad I saw it. I'll never see it again. You know, there were times when it was incredibly tedious. Other times it was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Okay. But it's a story that is, you know, Aster, Ari Aster has earned the right, apparently, to be able to do whatever he wants to do. And it's a, a self-indulgent film. Mm-hmm. It's a film that does not need to be three hours, and yet it is. Um, you know, it's about a guy played by Bob, played by Joaquin Phoenix, and he has been severely affected by his mother. His mother is very manipulative, um, and he lives, obviously, from the title, in fear, in fear of disappointing his mother. Uh, he's paranoid about the world. Uh, every little thing is going to turn into a disaster. Everything that he tries is going to fail. At least that's what he thinks. That's what he's been told. That's his understanding of the world. And we see the world through his through this vision. I equate it to like Wiley e. Coyote. Okay. He's Wiley e. Coyote, and an anvil is going to fall on him at any moment. And it does, not literally, but things like that, just random stuff that you could never predict suddenly happen to this guy. And all it does is feed into this notion that the universe is out to get him. Uh, he gets a curveball, though, when he finds out that his mother has died. And then he's got to take the trek to his funeral, her funeral. And that, of course, is a disaster of epic proportions. I mean, there's no way he's ever going to get there easily. And, and we get that. You know, again, I, I it's a well-acted film. It's a well-made film. I mean, there's no question about it. There's very talented people involved. Uh, so, so there's never a question of whether it's a quality product. Joaquin Phoenix invests himself in every role he takes, and that's no different here. Um, it's a movie that's set out to make you uncomfortable. And if you have, if you have any issues with your mom, I'm gonna use a phrase that I, I hate, but everyone uses now, it will be triggering for you. It will definitely be triggering for you. It will bring up a lot of that stuff. Okay. Beyond that, it, it's just kind of a curiosity, really. I laughed more than I was afraid. I mean, it is dark humor at its darkest, like, you know, midnight in a coal mine, dark. So if you're into that, you'll you'll have a good time with that. But again, it's too long. It's self-indulgent. Glad I saw, saw it, but one and done. Okay. So would I like it, Chuck? No, you'd hate it. Okay. Enough said. <laughs> I did hear that this is as you said, self-indulgent. I heard that this was a movie that Ari Aster made for Ari Aster. 
And somehow A24 said, we got to put it out there. And that's hey, more, more power to him if he can get away with it. Yeah. And I think that's why we're seeing that it's not playing in the places that we thought it would play. And um, I think it's a unique audience that's going to gravitate toward this. Um, he did Hereditary and he did Midsummer. I really liked Midsummer. It was a little triggering for me for some other reasons. Um, and had Hereditary, I thought I was totally bored with, other than the fact it was filmed in Park City. So I had fun with that. Um, so he's an iffy filmmaker to me. So I think I'll skip this one and I'll just go according to what you tell me I'm going to like, because I think you know my taste. You would be pissed as you walked out. Okay. I don't need to be pissed. There are other things to be pissed about. Yeah, Some, right. Something not to be pissed about. And I think we might be on the same page for, are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. Am I right? You would be correct. Oh my gosh. That just, that just makes my heart flutter with, with, with fanciful, I don't know what, <laughs> butterflies. <laughs> I'm thrilled that you liked this one. I, I did not read the book. And I'm just going to be, you know what, we are totally honest um, with each other uh, about films and about everything else when we discuss movies. And I am not the most religious person in the world, never have been, never will be. And I didn't read this book when I was a tween because I thought it was a religious book and I really didn't want to re read a book about God. Judge um, books by its cover, you know. Yeah, it's I, know. To I do do that. I do do that. That's how I buy my wines too. Take you a look at the label. <laughs> Um, so boy, am I, I, I missed out. I definitely missed out as a youngster, not reading this book because boy, maybe that would have put a few things into perspective for me and made me realize that I'm not abnormal, but actually very normal. Well, at least I was back then. Who knows now? Um, this, the book that we're talking about is, are you there? God, it's me, Margaret It's written by Judy Bloom, who has written a ton of young adult and teen and tween books over the years. Um, this book, I think, was written in the 1970s, so probably right around the time that I should have been reading it. And uh, I learned recently that Judy Bloom's book, this one in particular, was banned in the 1980s. Can you believe that? That's just crazy to me when they're going through the book banning stuff back then. I, I can believe it. We live in a stupid country. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> crazy. And and I was watching an interview that she had with somebody in uh, Judy Bloom, and she said, I guess it was because we couldn't talk about getting your period. I don't know. Well, <laughs> it's yeah, kind of crazy. <laughs> Seems kind of crazy. But this is um, an adaptation by Kelly Freeman Craig, who gave us The Edge of Seventeen, which both you and I thoroughly enjoyed as well. Not true. Oh, you didn't like that one? Did not. Oh, what the heck? Okay, well, as whatever. A teacher, as a teacher, it did not ring true. Okay. Um, we're just going to bypass that then. We're just going back to Kelly Freeman Craig, who uh, did the screenwriting for this and also directed it. She jumps back in time to an 11-year-old versus a 17-year-old now. And boy, oh boy, 11-year-olds are super awkward, especially girls. I guess boys too. Chuck, you can speak to that. I cannot as much. But 11-year-old girls don't know what the heck is going on. And this poor young girl, Margaret, who is played by Abby Ryder Fortson. And uh, Abby does an amazing job of portraying this very awkward young girl who thinks she's got everything going on. But in, until her parents say, hey, guess what? We're moving from New York City to New Jersey, which sounds like it's the end of the world, according to Margaret. She moves into a neighborhood where she is befriended by the ringleader of another little posse or clique of girls named Nancy. 
And Margaret's world is kind of turned upside down. She was seeing that, boy, maybe I'm supposed to be a little more grown up than I am right now. These girls seem to be a little more mature than me. Oh my gosh, I don't wear a bra. Now to be in their club, I have to be able to wear a bra. And she goes bra searching or shopping with her mom, only find out that she really doesn't need a bra. And they do these exercises. And I did these back in the day. I remember we must, we must, we must increase our bust. So, so <laughs> go back, hang on. Do you remember shopping for your first uh, bra? Oh yeah, I, I got a training bra. Same thing. They they called it okay. a grow, grow with me. I got okay. a training bra and I still have it <laughs> on <Okay>. right now. <laughs> I'm still saying in the, we must, we must. <laughs> So there's a there's a lot of throwbacks to my childhood, and I'm sure it's not just my childhood, but every other young girl out there can relate to um, the different things that this Margaret is going through. And this is a, you know, she she takes from what I understand, she did take some liberties with the book, not a lot, but some. And what she did is she took the character of the mother played by Rachel McAdams and the grandma or glamma. And by the way, that's what I've decided I want to be called by my upcoming grand grandson. I want to be called glamma instead of grandma. Um, and she's played by her name is Sylvia and she's played by Kathy Bates. And there's a lot of different relationship issues um, within this. And Kelly really takes the time to develop a little bit more with the mom and with the grandmother and their background story. Um, I like I liken it to, it's a coming of age movie, definitely for Margaret as she navigates the waters of friends and liking boys and her body changing and and how to come to grips with with what's happening with her emotionally psychologically and and intellectually as well as her body um but it's also a coming of age movie for mom and you and i talked about this one of the, one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when margaret is talking with her mother rachel mcadams about Rachel McAdams's character's relationship with her parents, her maternal grandparents. And it's, it's a, it's a difficult one. And it's the, the first inkling that you see Margaret actually sees her mother as a person and not just a pain in the butt mom. Um, it's a, it's a beautiful connection. And then we also see Glamma um, who's dealing with some issues too, some separation issues from her granddaughter and from her son. And she's resentful that they've moved away all the way to New Jersey and she's trying to figure out who she is and what her next chapter in her life is going to be. Um, I laughed so hard in this movie because I could relate to so many things that were going on. I moved all over the country when I was that age and it was difficult to make new friends and, and to figure out who you are and maybe even reinvent yourself a little bit. Um, I, I can't recommend this movie enough to, especially mothers and daughters to go to or any female to go to. And I'm going to guess that it's really been ranking pretty high. I think it's 99% on Rotten Tomatoes right now I'm, with critics. I'm, I'm looking at that right now. It's at 99%. And whenever I see that, I always want to see, okay, who's the idiot? <laughs> right? Did you find him? I found him. Yeah. Uh, Amy Nicholson at Variety. Wait, who is it? Her name is Amy Nicholson. A woman. At Variety. Yes. Right, Amy. Yeah. It veer, basically, she's saying it veers too far from the source material. Okay. Well, yeah. 100 reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. One review, negative. Wow. 99, positive. 
Well, I'd be I'd be curious to see what else she thinks is negative too, because this is a movie that will open the doors of communication for you and your daughter. I would recommend this for anybody, anybody's daughter who's 10 years and up, 10 years to 50 years, because it's fun. Well, you know, and I I don't want this to be no, I, it's going to be known as you know a film for girls. And and that's a shame because I think everyone can relate to it, even boys that age. I mean, it, I think it would give them insight, right, into what girls are dealing with, and then also, yeah, we're awkward too at that age. We have no confidence. We have no, you know, and if it appears that they have confidence, it's all bullshit, right? Um, you know, I, I think that anyone can relate to this this film, the the, the feeling of being the other, and we've all had that. Um, yeah, I mean, good God, I'm not in the demographic for this thing, uh, but I was completely charmed by it. I was so thrilled that you were. <laughs> um, Rachel McAdams, I just love her. I love her and everything she does, and she's just the perfect mom here. And, um, you know, it's a hard thing to, you got to walk a fine line when you're dealing with dramatic stuff and funny stuff. That, I think, is one of the hardest things to do when you're, you know, making a film or a play or anything, and they do that perfectly here. I mean, there are scenes that just brought a tear to my eye. There are scenes where I laughed out loud. I mean, it just has everything. And the tone and the touch is just perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. I wouldn't mind sitting through it again. Oh, I absolutely would. I, I can't wait until this weekend. I'm hoping I could bring my girlfriends to go see it. Um, you know, when you were talking about the right tone and the mix of of humor, I was thinking about when Margaret takes one of her girlfriends with her to the grocery store to pick up sanitary napkins. <laughs> and the and the checkout guy. What a jerk. What a jerk. And, then, and then the conveyor belt goes so slowly <laughs> by. Oh my God. That was like that was oh, so funny. Oh. So fun. And that girl, the girl, the young actress, oh, she's good. Isn't I mean, she though? Her expressions, the expressions on her face just tell you. You know everything that this this poor girl's going through, and uh, I'm anxious to see what she does, what she does next. And I'm glad to see that that people are embracing this. I am too. I was worried that it would only appeal to females, um, so I am so heartened to see so many men uh, reviewing it so positively. It's just that's fantastic. And, and you know what? Before we go on to our next movie, Chuck, I'm going to play just a little clip of my interview that I had with Kelly because. I laughed and I cried during that interview as well. It was a lot of fun. Let's listen to that. Tell me, why did you pick this particular Judy Bloom book? Especially because I just learned that that was banned in the 1980s. I didn't realize that. Yes. Yeah. Um, I First of all, I read it when I was 11 and it just, oh, it just, it just got into my heart and never left, first of all. Um, but after I made the edge of 17, I was thinking about what I, what I wanted to do next. And, um, and I was thinking about the authors that, that I loved most and Judy Bloom was, was number one. Um, and so I went back and I started rereading all of her work. And when I got to this one, I, when I got to Margaret, I just, oh, I just was uh, so swept up in all those same feelings all over again. Um, and and I had all sorts of new feelings, you know, because now I was coming to it as an adult, as a mom, you know. Um, and so um, I, I just really felt that it would make a beautiful film. 
And it is interesting to take a look at actually anything that we see in movies or in a book that we read when we're younger, because we don't have all of life's experiences. And now looking back as you're reading this book as an adult, and I just, I had so much fun with the film. Can you tell me, were there particular aspects that you changed from the book to the film, or did you stay pretty true to everything? Yeah, um, it's, it is a, it is a pretty faithful adaptation that was important to me um, because I love the book so much, but it expands Margaret's mom and Margaret's grandma. And because what I really wanted to do was um, have them all going through life transitions in tandem um, and show that we're, you know, how in certain ways we're, we're all coming of age right at every age. You yes, know? absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you taking the time to listen to that small little segment and you can see the full interview on our YouTube channel, or you can take a look at WCIA CI living for the interview as it aired this week. What's next, Chuck? An unexpected delight. And I see you are raising your eyebrows. I know we have two other movies and I just don't know which one you're going to talk about. <laughs> Peter Pan and Wendy. Oh, really? Yes. Yes. You missed the boat on this one. No pun intended. And I, I know you won't, but you should go back and watch it because there is a lot there. Okay. A lot of subtext there. Well, uh, why don't you tell me what I missed? Uh, well, you know, it, it's the same story. I mean, I'm not. There's, there's no question about it that they do very little variation as far as what happens in the previous iterations of this, whether it was the play, the book, or the other movies. Uh, you know, you have Wendy and the two brothers swept off to Neverland. Uh, Peter Pan won't grow up. We run into Captain Hook, the Lost Boys, uh, the Indians that are there. I mean, yeah, all of that stuff is pretty much the same. However, this was a film, this guy, uh, the guy who directed this is David Lowry. And... Um, uh, he wrote and directed Peach Dragon from a few years back, the remake with Robert Redford and Bryce Dallas Howard. And that was a magical film too, because they were dealing with a lot of adult issues with that in that film, in that remake. And they're doing the same thing here. We get a lot more backstory about Captain Hook here that mm -hmm. we didn't get before. And I was completely moved by everything that he was dealing with and going through. Uh, the motivation was suddenly there as to why he's he is the way he is. Mm -hmm. And um, I, the fact, the hook, the hook has more meaning now as well, because we talk about when, when we grow up, we always talk about, well, you lose something of yourself. Well, you sure do. You sure do. And the, the that there was a throwaway line there from Smee, a uh, great job from uh, Jim Gaffigan, in which he talks about how he rescued Captain Hook when he was a kid. All that stuff is new. All that is new. And suddenly he becomes just this tragic figure in my eyes. Uh, when Wendy starts to sing a lullaby and everything stops and that keys into an, a, a memory of his, I was like, oh my God. And then... There's that whole relationship now with him and Peter Pan. It's not just a random thing in this film. They have a history and that history is tragic and it's meaningful. And again, we just have more depth of character there. And as far as Wendy is concerned, she too 
has has just an awful decision to make. I mean, she's right there, much like Margaret, you know, one foot in childhood, one foot in adulthood. What do I do? Boy, growing up sure looks like it sucks. I don't want to do that. But you can't remain stuck because look at everything you miss. And I just felt as though it drove home that whole theme in a very meaningful way to me. And I don't know why Disney Plus is throwing the or Disney is throwing this on Disney Plus. This is a movie that needs to be seen on a big screen. They spent a ton of money, and this is a gorgeous film. All the little minutia on the ship. I, I, I freeze framed it just to look at his hook. There's a close up of his hook and the leather thing that's attached to. It. I mean, just the details that are in this film and the special effects. I mean, I. It's a movie that really needs to be seen on a big screen, and I'm I, I, I'm sure it was just some stupid financial. Situ uh, consideration that has them going straight to video uh, streaming on this, which I don't understand. But I can see you rolling your eyes. No, nope, not at all. No, I, I I reviewed this yesterday on CI Living. It was my first time back on the air in two months since my my surgery, and um, I said a lot of the same things that you said. I did enjoy the fact that they they gave you some backstory on Captain Hook and Peter and their relationship. And we didn't have that before. We never did know why they didn't get along. Why didn't they get along? Those That origin story was intriguing to me. And Jude Law, who I think, you know, he'd be a guy that you could just like sit down next to and chit chat with. He he was menacing. He did a, an amazing job. I would like to have seen Jim Gaffigan's character, I think, exploiting Gaffigan's personality a little bit more yeah. in the character. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I said a lot of the same things. I just felt like, and, and the special effects I thought were great. I did think it was, I thought it was going to be playing in theaters. I'm bummed to hear that it's not because the special effects and the animation and the blending of live action with that is amazing. Um, I just felt like the rest of it was pretty mundane in the typical Peter Pan story. It's just another one with the exception of the Captain Hook. Okay. Okay. So we agree and we disagree all at the same time. Talking about agreeing and disagreeing, I really, I really got to hear what you have to say about Clock, which is probably, that's a VOD, right? Uh, that's streaming on Hulu. Okay. All right. Now I'm not, you know, this is a Clock is not a movie, you know, is not a hill I'm going to die on. Okay. <laughs> Peter Pan and Wendy, that's a hill I'll die on. Clock, no, it has its problems. You know, I'm not going to say it doesn't. But I just found it to be very effective as far as the creep factor was concerned. Okay. You know, there's one image there that, you know, I am not going to shake anytime soon. And you know what I'm talking about. I do. I want you to think about Bardo and this movie. Did you watch Bardo? Did not. Okay. I know what you're talking about, the image that you can't shake. And that's in Bardo as well. Oh, my God. Okay. Thank you. No. Yeah. Watch. Just watch the first five minutes of Bardo and you'll know what I'm talking about. All right. Um, again, it, it's flawed. There's no question about it. I'm surprised it didn't affect you more, though, as a woman and a mother and things of that nature. Because, again, there's just the ick and creep out factor of this film that that I, I think was, was very effective. The movie's about, about a woman played by Diana Agron. Uh, she basically succumbs to peer pressure and the oppression of her father. She does not want to be a mother, doesn't want to be a mom. And she wonders why she doesn't have that thing inside of her that, that propels her to this. Uh, so she goes to a clinic uh, where they do some experimental stuff. 
and things go haywire. And that would be about the simplest way to say this. That's a very, very good way to say it. I, 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 I can't say that I didn't like it, but I didn't like it. And I didn't, I, I'm, I really don't know where I'm at with this movie because I don't know what it was trying to, to do. To me, it was, it, it, it couldn't decide. Is it, is it going to make a statement about, um, you don't have to have that, that urge and need to be a mom. It's okay to not want to be a mom. And I think that's what it was, it was wrestling with at its core. But then we go into um, the hereditary of, of them being Jewish. And that, that was something they needed to do more of. It didn't, it didn't pick a lane. No, no. And, and that, that's what bothered me. And I thought they were going to run with that. And I think they, they should have something with that. Yeah. Because she sees this figure, this figure that haunts her. And then once we figure out who that is, they drop it. Yeah. I mean, to me, that was the whole movie. Like, like you're talking about their heritage, this hereditary, this whole thing of your grandmother survived the camps. It's your duty to continue the family. They needed to develop that much more. Absolutely. I agree. If, I think if they would have chosen that lane to to continue in, it would have been a horrifying, symbolic movie that would have left me speechless. But instead, it did leave me speechless, but I didn't really know what I saw. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, they talk about the psychological effects of going through something like the camps. Right. And how that, you know, you want to talk about something being passed down through generations. Exactly. The That's traumas. Yeah. That's the thing they needed to focus on. And there's one, well, there's another horrific image there too, uh, where that fair figure is standing next to her car. Yes. Yeah. That, yeah. Like, whoa, thank you. No, no, no. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I really liked it when they started bringing in the, the stories of the um, trauma that's passed down from generation to generation and, right. and the, um, how the Jewish people were, were exterminated and those that survived. And then some of the symbolism, that clock that's in yes, there, a literal the clock. clock. Like a coffin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And she, she does a Freudian slip and calls it a coffin yeah. instead of a clock. That was smart. There's a lot of really smart things in here. I just don't think that they, they, they took it to the level that it needed to go to make it more impactful, unfortunately. And Diana Agron, she does a wonderful job as Ella, yeah. as she's struggling with, you know, whether or not she wants to be a mom and, and is, can she be pressured into it? And she goes through this experimentation with, I love Melora Hardin. Um, oh, I reckon, yeah, she's wonderful as the doctor Jan who does this. Hmm? Jan from the office. Yes. Yes. Jan from the office. Um, and so it really, it delves into a lot of different psychological issues, but she, they just don't pick one and bring it to bring it home. They don't hit it home. And I didn't quite understand how the husband was involved in all this. That was something that was mentioned in passing and yeah. that wasn't developed either. He's got this bag and I'm like, wait a second, wait a second. What's going on here? Yeah. And that was just a throwaway thing as well. This is a movie that needed another rewrite or two. I agree. I agree. Again, let's see who's the writer here. Alexis no, Jack could, now. Yeah. Should have called Chicago. us. We could have told you how to take it to the next level and your reviews would have been a lot better. Are you on Rotten Tomatoes right now, sir? Uh, it is trending at about 68% positive. Okay. But that's far fewer uh, reviews. It's um, I think there's only like um, 25 reviews for it already. Okay. Not, I think not, this. Not, no. Okay. 26 reviews, 77% positive. 
Okay. I think Alexis Jack now has, has a promising future. If I see his name or her name again, I will take a look to see what they do. Cause I'd like to see where they go. You mentioned the other day that you started smile. Yes. Did you finish it? I did not. Okay. All right. Um, I was say when you watch a film like that and then you see something like clock, you see the difference. Okay. As far okay. as the way things are developed and the through lines and how things, you know, you know, should turn out in a, in a well thought out horror film. Okay. Okay. No, I did not finish it. That is on my bicycle agenda to finish that movie. <laughs> so exactly how you should watch a movie. <laughs> absolutely. You got to get a little, I got to get that leg extension and retraction here going. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to throw a joke that only you're going to get, you know, I want you to watch Kelly Reichert's next film on the bike while you're biking. Okay? That's what I want you to do. Okay. Only, I'm, only, I'm, only I'm going to record, I'm going to record it on my phone then that you doing that and send it to her. <laughs> I think you should, because she loves me. So I think I want to be in the same room with her and uh, what's his name um, from the Marvel movies. Dave Batista. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. You're two favorites. <laughs> I'm hey, their favorite. I made the same mistake with her. You know, I just, did. Did Oh yeah. Yeah. I said, yeah. Watch your film on my computer. And she said, oh my God. Yeah. It's the same reaction you got. Oh my God. You would have thought that I just like, you know, threw away the hope diamond. <laughs> and I have not watched her latest film uh, after your stellar recommendations. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you, if you want a little, a little pillow and a little, uh, a little the cure for insomnia. Yep. You're all good. You can just like buckle on in and, and head down to La La Land. <laughs> all right. All right. So next week, um, we've got Guardians of the Galaxy Part 3. I know that it screened uh, last night for critics and overall the response has been pretty good. Uh, also, there was a film came out today about George Foreman. Uh, not sure if I'm going to get to that or not. We'll see. And then also next week, we've got a rom-com called What's Love Got to Do With It? Emma Thompson is in it, and I'm not sure who else. All right. I think that one's going to be my choice. I um, unfortunately couldn't make it to the screening last night for Guardians of the Galaxy, and I think I'm just going to wait for that one. Okay. Sounds good. So, I'll be seeing it Thursday night, and uh, I can at least talk about it when we get together. All right. That sounds wonderful. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning in to Real Talk with Chuck and Pam. We appreciate your time. And please drop us a line if you have any comments about the three movies that we reviewed today. We appreciate it. 